welcome to episode 193 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out what that error code on your printer actually means. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about print and play games. First, we discuss a game we both played recently, Glitch Squad. Then, Ambi gives us a deep dive into the world of print and play games and why we should give them a try if we haven't. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Recently, we both got reviewed copies of Glitch Squad from Resonim Games. Glitch Squad is a 2023 game designed by Mary Flanagan and Max Seedman, published by Resonim, and it's a party game a team word party game with communication limits, which is <laughs> games that I like to talk about a lot. I like these types of games, team communication word games. <laughs> and we have spoken in the past about another not similar game, but similar style of game from Resonim. Ambi and I are mm-hmm. both really, really big fans of Phantom Inc. And that's mm-hmm. made by the same company. And so when they reached yeah. out to us about Glitch Squad, my response was yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Something <laughs> along those lines. Like, yes. I want to play Glitch Glitch Squad. (laughs) Yeah, and it was on my want to playlist from before because it's, you know, word communication limit games. But anyways, the way Glitch Squad works is there's two teams and every person has their own like password that they're trying to guess and that's like the goal of the game. But each round, you each have a different word that you're trying to, it's called an evidence, I think, that you're trying to give clues for your teammate to guess. And so everyone has like their own evidence clue and they write it down and they write down three clues for that evidence. And then they pass it to a member of the other team who looks at the three clues and then rewrites them but changes one of the clues they glitch it yeah they glitch it because the theme is like there's a cat called glitch who walks over the keyboard i think (laughs) and glitches the clues yeah so there's going to be two clues that were originally for the the word and then one glitched clue that makes it makes the guesser think of something else and so then the guesser has 30 seconds or something it's a it's an hourglass timer i'm not sure exactly how much time it's 20 seconds i think 20 seconds okay (laughs) 20 seconds to guess the evidence but they can guess multiple times which is nice like they can just throw out as many answers as they want Mm -hmm. but then you're like you have a brain fart and you're like (laughs) then if they don't guess it then the person who glitched the clue gets gets a point and by a point you means you get to um the actual password that you're trying to guess is broken up into columns of letters and so you like pull out one letter to look at and you reveal one letter at a time so when you get like a point you get to pull out one letter of your password and then if you, if you get the evidence right you get to get a point and by like everyone's doing this at the same time so like everyone had a clue that they're giving words for and everyone's glitching the person to the right's clue and then the like the person to that left like you're passing it around and then everyone guesses so that's different from other games where it's like a team coming up with clues together or like one person giving clues to a team it's just one person giving clues to another person but like everyone's doing that at the same time yeah it doesn't feel quite as yeah. collaborative as some yeah. team-based games. Yeah, which is actually something that I don't like as much about it. So I played it at seven players and four players. So at seven players, at odd players, there's actually an extra role added on because the teams have to be even. I forget what the role is called, but it's like a troublemaker role or something but they like glitch a card and then they have they write down a word that they're trying to get the person to guess <laughs> and so like they glitch it to try to make them guess a certain word and if that person guesses that word instead of the evidence or both like if they say it at any time during their guessing then the troublemaker person gets a point so that's kind of like trap words i think it might be yeah, a little a bit word. or like taboo or something like <laughs> but but you're trying to get them to do the thing so toby played as the that person 
when we had seven players and he was actually really good at it. So like you win when everyone guesses their clue, but like he ended up winning twice before any team got all of their clues, right? Because <laughs> he's also good at guessing like the password after like two letters come out and he, he guesses it. I'm like, what? How did she get that? <laughs> But yeah, so, so that role seemed kind of easier, maybe, I, or either that or Toby's just really good at it, but it seemed like it was easier for that role to get points because it's easier to get people to guess something specific by glitching the words. But it's really fun to like try to think of clues that can't be glitched. Like you want to think of clues so that any combination of two would get to the evidence that you're trying to get. And the evidence is specific categories. So people yeah. aren't just like trying to guess one random thing out in the universe. It's like, you mm -hmm. know that this evidence is a location. And yeah, so yeah. they do have some kind of context, which is obviously helpful. But like when mm -hmm. I had the thing I was trying to get somebody to guess was haunted house. I put down creaky, spooky, mm -hmm. and I think I might have written ghost or something. But then, mm -hmm. yeah, when it got glitched, I think it basically it was easier to glitch certain clues than I realized yeah. right away. Because I was like, oh, mm -hmm. if you remove this one word, you can turn it into something completely different, basically. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You have to start thinking differently. It's kind of, it's a little bit like decrypt in that you have to change how you're thinking about how to mm -hmm. give clues because you mm -hmm. can't just give three words that relate to the thing because if you just yeah. do it that way then you're potentially setting yourself up for failure like Ambi said you need to give very good detailed specific clues that if any of the three get removed the other two can hold the weight on their own and mm -hmm. as a glitcher you're using the leaving two of them and trying to come up with a third word that'll point <laughs> somebody in a different direction and yeah. that can be hard and also so sometimes very easy, which it's fun when it's like, oh, I got this. Yeah. And sometimes it can get kind of meta too. Like as the guesser, you're trying to think, okay, which let's try if it's these two clues, then what is it? It's like try to ignore one of the clues. But then as the glitcher, you're thinking, oh, maybe I, I can have them ignore this clue and then do a clue that relates to this other clue as, as the glitch, instead of trying to make it like think that all three are the glitch. <laughs> and to be clear, as the glitcher, you are rewriting all three clues. So yeah, there's no yeah. like, you don't have to worry about handwriting. No hand writing thing, or, yeah. yeah, nothing like that to give it away. You're just looking mm -hmm. at three words and trying to figure out. There are specific letters that you have to start one of the yeah. clues with. And so that can be interesting too, because technically, if you are the glitcher, you can glitch the word that started with a specific letter and you do not have to start your word with that mm -hmm. letter. But then it's obvious, theoretically, that that was the glitched clue, depending on what the other words are. But they don't know like which one it was because yeah. they just know that something got glitched that started with that letter. <laughs> yes, there are abilities in the game that will mm -hmm. force the glitcher to either reveal what word they inserted or what word was removed. Mm -hmm. But you don't always get to know all of that information. And it's interesting how just knowing part of that information can sometimes be helpful and sometimes not. <laughs> yeah, so you get that ability. If you fail to guess in the 20 seconds, you get one more guess after using that ability. That's called the forensic card. There, there was like a deck of them and it changes each round, but like they didn't have much variety in them. <laughs> Like a few of them were just, just like, we got a couple of the same in a row and we're like, oh, okay, that was the same as last time. <laughs> so we were like, oh, okay, <laughs> a little disappointed in that. But I guess there's not much else you can have for clues anyway. So I want to hear your thoughts, Ambie, about the differing password lengths 
that can oh. be given to different people, theoretically. Because in the game, you pick a, a number at the beginning of the mm-hmm. game and everybody is utilizing that number on their sheet. But And yeah. it was funny because when I first started going through the cards, I was like, oh, all the number fours are, you know, a similar length. But then I kept flipping through the cards and I was like, oh, no, they're not. So yeah. technically, you could end up with some people with like an eight or nine letter password and some people with like a five or six letter password. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, there's different difficulties of passwords and also different difficulties of the evidence clues that you're getting, I think. I I didn't notice the password difficulty as much as the evidence because like the evidence happens every round and the password is like your final thing that you're guessing. So I thought both of those were unfair. (laughs) Um, Because like sometimes there, there were like easy clues. It's like, hobby right so like a hobby like okay gaming or something but then one of them was like coaching for a hobby and it's like you think of that as a profession not really a hobby but then yeah or I like mean, i guess if you're like for, coaching your kids little league team that could be considered a yeah, hobby I but guess. i've never thought of that as like a hobby yeah and then like for a weapon there was snake for one of them and, and so like the person was guessing like a uh, venom or like blah, blah blah and they like they never guessed snake because they don't that's not really what you think of when they're thinking the category that is not what you think of although if i came toward you whipping a snake around i bet you would consider that to be a weapon yeah it's all in the context right yeah but um and then like some of the professions were just like really hard to guess because it's like something you wouldn't really guess like we had naturalist and then like other people get like doctor or something so yeah like the difference in difficulties of the evidence was kind of tough because like the first time i think i got dentist first and then orthodontist the next like round which I was like what <laughs> and so but then and then like other people would get really easy ones and it's like okay that that doesn't seem fair so we we didn't like that <laughs> yeah there is a bit of potential unbalanced to the types of things that exist in mm. the game but th- those aren't delineated by different decks they're all kind of just mixed together so it yeah. it can be a little bit of a random bag as far as how hard the different evidence things are to guess Mm-hmm. But I did like thinking of the clues to glitch and glitching the clues. That was fun. What player count did you play it at? I only played it at smaller player counts with like oh. four people. So I didn't mm-hmm. get to play with a like a larger group. But I think it still probably functions about the same with a larger group, right? It's just different. It's just more people yeah, I, having to guess their stuff. Yeah, I liked it better at smaller player count because I didn't like the that everyone has to guess their stuff. Like the round where you're writing clues and stuff, that's all the same. But then when everyone's guessing, it's just one at a time. So it takes a lot longer with more people and you're just like waiting for them to go. Oh yeah, I didn't and even so, think about that. So um, yeah. Because even yeah, though it's so, like, only 20 part, seconds, that does add up, right? Yeah. Like, and it was well, 20 seconds plus also like the extra guess if they get it wrong. And then yeah, that adds up and it just like that downtime in a team word guessing party game. Like I don't like that as much. So I liked it better at the smaller player counts. But I think I would like it more if it were like multiple people coming up with the clues still. Because like I like coming up with things more team collaboratively than... Yeah. Or, or multiple people glitching. That's what, right? Like one person comes up with if if the other team like collaboratively glitched it i thought that would be cool and then like yeah it's funny i did not dislike this game but i didn't Mm -hmm. like it as much as i thought i was going to yeah yeah same here 
that yeah like it kind of bummed me mm-hmm. out because i really <laughs> love the concept of this admittedly the theme for me is not there at all it's kind of similar <laughs> to something like code names or decrypto yeah. where it's like no the theme is not there but that's fine for a party game i don't mind uh-huh. that but yeah it just it was not as enjoyable as i wanted it to be but i feel like there are the inklings of something really magical here and mm-hmm. obviously no shade to the designers or the publisher there's something good in this box but it's just not exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, I might actually try and kind of twist or house rule it a little bit because I mm-hmm. do think it would be possibly more interesting to have some more of a collaborative effort with the t- whole team or yeah. to have di- <laughs> different people glitching the same set of words even and see like, you know, like have everybody mm-hmm. on the team trying to guess the same type of thing, but maybe they see different glitches. I don't know. Like I think <laughs> that this is all just coming off the top of my head and I am not a game designer like the lovely folks at Resonem but (laughs) for me personally it just didn't quite get to where I was hoping it would which was a Mm -hmm. bummer because I do I do like the the core mechanisms yeah same here so that was Glitch Squad from Resonem If you watch our YouTube channel, you might know that I, Ambi, have gotten into print and play games a little bit in the last couple of years. So today, for our thematic segment, we're going to talk about some print and play game beginner tips. <laughs> I'm st- I still consider myself a beginner, so just like talking about my journey and like any questions Crystal has because Crystal does not do print and play games, right? Right. I mean, I have <laughs> print and played some games in the past, but very Uh few, very infrequently, and more Mm -hmm. like in instances where like, oh, I was playing with you or with a group. And like I've done rather than actually printing and playing them, I've more often than not like downloaded a digital PDF and Mm -hmm. played by marking it up digitally. An exception to that rule would be some of the roll and writes that were done for one of the Gen Cant contests. Like I actually made my own print and play game for one of those contests and so obviously I definitely <laughs> made that game because I had to make my own prototypes and then friend of the show Chris Michaud moderator Chris of mm-hmm. former podcast Flip the Table I printed off his game Roll Estate and played mm-hmm. that with my game group a number of times and really enjoyed that and if y'all haven't played Roll Estate it's fun you should uh, give it a <laughs> shot because it's yeah I really still enjoy it yeah so when I started playing print and play I- I've mostly only done free print and play games because I'm just like trying a bunch out and then making videos about them there are a lot of roll and writes for print and play so you like you mentioned i think the ones you you've done are all like roll and writes a lot of those it's just one sheet you can print out very easy <laughs> or just have it digitally so you don't even need to print you can just play i guess yeah, you just, just need dice pee. generally. And I would say most of yeah. the people listening to this podcast probably have whatever dice you would need already on hand. Even if it's a bunch of D6s, you might have to like yeah. grab them from multiple games theoretically. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have a copy of Yahtzee laying around or a copy of something <laughs> else that has a bunch of D6s in it. I mean, for us, we have Strike. Yeah, but even if you don't, like you can just have digital like Google di- throw dice or something. Like That's true. It's just dice for me, that's not, it's, I can't, it's not as sad. It's fine. I will mark up a sheet digitally, but I want to roll my dice physically. (laughs) Yeah, but like if you don't have it, like that's impossible. You still have options. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, print and play, like one thing you kind of want to have is a printer. (laughs) Which is something I do not currently own. So it is hindering my ability to to print and play games. (laughs) 
yeah like there are places you can go get it printed at like kinko's or something or like at your library maybe they have printing stuff i, I actually did that when my printer wasn't working well <laughs> but i got a new printer my friend kathy who listens to the show hi kathy love mm-hmm. you she actually does a lot of print and play stuff and she has run into issues at some of them like chain retail like printing services where mm-hmm. she will have the files and they will like some of them they'll not print something because they don't know if she has the rights to print it or whatever even if it's just uh printing it on regular paper for her own personal use Mm -hmm. like one copy there are places where she has run into issues so just i wanted to say that out loud in case uh, any of our listeners try to go that route there is the possibility Mm -hmm. even if you show them the bgg page like this is a free thing that anybody can download and print you know obviously your your average staples employee does not know what board game geek is and they might not understand so i don't i don't know if staples allows this or not but you may run into issues Mm -hmm. there if you go that route yeah but like if you want to start printing and playing a lot you'll probably want a printer so yeah like supplies i've used now are printer laminator a cutting tool i mean you can use scissors i used scissors for a long time well i still don't have like a really good paper cutting thing but some people use like a rotary cutter and a ruler a rotary cutter is a circle cutting tool it's it's a pizza cutter (laughs) it looks like a pizza cutter yeah it's a pizza cutter for paper (laughs) and then you use a ruler and then you can like cut straight lines but that like you have to have a lot of practice to be able to do that well there's also like paper cutters that's not the guillotine type because the guillotine type doesn't do it super accurately but there's paper cutters that just slide across fiskers something i don't know there's something that's that's recommended that i kind of want to get but it's a little expensive (laughs) and then a corner rounder if you start printing out lots of cards which i i have now i have a corner rounder I know Kathy really nice owns one of those. Punching. Yeah, because you don't you yeah. don't realize how sharp those corners are until you don't yeah. have them rounded. <laughs> yeah, and it also helps with lamination. So like lamination, I didn't know this before, but like you can laminate and then cut and like it, it should stay together. Like I used to think that the lamination was only like on the laminate stuck to itself, like on the edges of the paper when you laminate it, but it, it like fuses to the paper kind of, I think, um, at least with hot lamination. So like as long as it's laminated correctly and you don't have like a really cheap laminator <laughs> or you like it wasn't heated up, then it, it should like stay on there. So you cut out cards after they're laminated and it should stay. But like a corner rounder will help it stay better, like because sometimes the corners can peel a little bit. But yeah, so I have those supplies. And I've started like trying to make nicer looking cards and stuff. And I actually use some of these supplies outside of printing and playing board games. Like I used my corner rounder for like a project I was helping with at preschool. They, they wanted to laminate like pictures of the kids and then like cut them out. And then I just rounded the corners too because I'm like, I have this corner rounder. <laughs> and it came out really nice. So like if you like crafting other things, printers and laminators are really good. And printers like can be really useful, especially if you have kids. I print out coloring pages for my kids all the time now. I mean, that's got to be cheaper than buying coloring books, right? (laughs) Yeah. Actually, coloring books are pretty cheap, so I don't know. But like, I can print whatever they want, basically, for coloring pages. But yeah, so if, if you want to get into print and play, I have a beginner video that I made on how I print and play, which was like, back when I didn't care about how nice it looked, I was just like, cutting out paper and putting them in sleeves and stuff, and just making a passably playable copy. And I have that on our YouTube channel. But if you want to get more into print and play, Martin Gonzalez is super into print and play. And he has YouTube tutorials. And he's like tried a bunch of the different cutting things. And so 
he has recommendations on the best ones. <laughs> he also has a Facebook group, Martin's Print and Play Hideaway. A bunch of print and play people are there and it's very helpful. So you can find answers to all of your print and play questions there. That's awesome. I love that this has kind of become more of a thing over time. And I mm-hmm. I guess I don't really know why that is, but it's I already own a laminator and a paper cutter. I just don't own a printer. Oh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm most of the way, because I, I have a laminator for my roll and write games, because that mm-hmm. way I yeah. will never run out of sheets if I, because I, you know, if I were to run out, I can laminate and then use dry erase yeah. markers. So yeah, so laminators are useful outside of just print and play. Yeah, <laughs> it is indeed. Suze Sheldon was the mm-hmm. one I think who encouraged, well, she didn't personally encourage me, but like her yeah. posts about laminating yeah, yeah, roll yeah. and writes were what got me to do it. And it was great pre-pandemic for when I was like traveling to cons more often, like mm-hmm. putting roll and write games in my quiver or in my game bags, because instead of bringing giant pads of sheets, I could just bring, you know, mm-hmm. enough for the player count. And that was always going to be enough, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a lot better. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> yeah. So why, Ambie, why should I and our listeners print and play games? There's all these board games out there that we could just <laughs> buy off the shelf and start playing. Why should we uh, print and play games? Well, there are a couple reasons you could print and play. Well, one is it could be cheaper if you have a printer and supplies and stuff. The thing is, like, it takes a lot of time, so that's a trade-off. But, like, a lot of these Kickstarters and board games and stuff, shipping can get really expensive, especially with, like, Kickstarters coming out. You don't know how much shipping is going to be, and if you, you live in a place where it's hard to ship to, shipping might be prohibitively expensive for you. So if they have a print-and-play tier or something, you can get that, and then you can get the game if you have a printer at home, like you can just print and play it yourself and then you don't have to worry about shipping costs. So that makes it cheaper and more available for you to be able to play these games that like are otherwise very hard to get. <laughs> well, and not just the expensive shipping, but like what if you live mm-hmm. in a country where yeah. that particular Kickstarter doesn't ship to? Like that could yeah. be theoretically your only option to get that game mm-hmm. up front. Obviously there might be other means later on down the road, but if you really want to get it right away, and sometimes the print and play versions of games will get released before the physical games will even get shipped. So Mm -hmm. I guess doing the print and play version, you might actually be one of the first people to play the game out in the wild. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. And actually before I got into doing like all these free print and play games, we print and played a couple of 18xx games because that was back before they were getting more widely available. And so there were all these 18xx games that weren't in print. And so they had like free print and plays available for them. But like that's a very big print play project (laughs) because there's a lot of things to cut out and stuff and so like we had a couple of 18xx games we had print and played and so yeah if if a game is out of print and there's a print and play available that's a way to get it so yeah a way to get a game that otherwise is not available to you or you can save money if you like crafting things and it can be fun it's a hobby like a lot of the people in the facebook group they have these memes it's like oh we just print and play or print in games and we're like we don't actually play them like <laughs> so it's the same as the people who buy games put them on the shelf and yeah. don't it's the it's just the the collecting or the crafting or like, in this instance like painting minis as a hobby or something like that like it's a hobby yeah. like they like making the best game um and then how do i get those it. people to print the games and make them for me because i do I, well, 
while I do enjoy certain forms of art and crafting, laminating and cutting things out is definitely not my jam. Like that is tedious and I do not enjoy it. So I need to get these people to print and play game or print, not print and play, print and craft these games for me. <laughs> that's what I need to have done. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what buying a game is. <laughs> I mean, technically. But if it's a print and play, like if they could send it in like a manila envelope in the mail, mm-hmm. like that would still likely, I could, you know, pay yeah. them. Even if I paid them for their time and for the shipping, it would still probably be cheaper than some uh, of the other ways to obtain some of those games. <laughs> yeah, depending on the game. <laughs> but... Right, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, so th- those are the main reasons. Like you, you don't really want to get into print and play if you don't like crafting. <laughs> like you don't want to get super into it because that's what it is. It's it's basically crafting arts and crafts making the game. And if you don't like that part, then it's a lot of time spent doing that. <laughs> but like if you do like that, which I, I like crafting and stuff. So I, I like making those when I do have the time. It's fun, relaxing. And it's also cool like having the finished product and be like, oh cool, look, I made it and it looks like a card. Like <laughs> this came out pretty neat. Do you have a couple of print and play games that are your favorites or like a couple that you would recommend to people if they're like, oh, this actually does sound kind of interesting, but I don't know what games mm-hmm. to, like I should look up. Like, do you have any recommendations? I do have a video <laughs> on uh five print and play games that like I recommended. So people have to go to our YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, you go check to... it out on YouTube. But like- The link will be yeah, in the show notes. <laughs> but one of my favorites is Black Sonata, which Ooh, is, yeah. we talked about on the podcast before because it's also a published game. But like the print and play is the same as the published game. It's a little harder to do the print and play, but it does have instructions on like, you print it like this and then you fold it over. So it's like good for beginner print and plays because you don't have to make it super- fancy with like double-sided printing and laminating or whatever it tells you like you print here and then you fold this here and that's how you make it double-sided but then you have to do hole punch (laughs) that's the hard part (laughs) so yeah that one does require hole punching but Kathy made the print and play version of Black Uh Sonata and brought it over to my house years ago and Mm. so I've played the actual print and play version of Black Sonata Mm -hmm. and I was very impressed that game like how it works I was just like wait what how like it's so clever Mm -hmm. yeah I really, really like Black Sonata. I would also recommend that one. Yeah, that one's a solo deduction game. So if you like deduction games, that's what that. Another one is Under Falling Skies, which also has a published version. But this one, the free print and play is just called Under Falling Skies, a nine card print and play. But it's like only the nine card print and play version. Under Falling Skies is so fun. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's like a... You're trying to like defeat these aliens by like placing dice down on your cards. But like the nine card version is just nine cards. So it's one page double sided. If you don't want to like craft it nicely, you can just sleeve it. <laughs> um, yeah, you can just print print two pages print, and then yeah, stick them back to back in a sleeve yeah. or whatever. But yeah, that's an easier craft than Black Sonata. <laughs> For sure. Well, Ambie, I think hopefully some of our listeners have now been like, oh, I think, you know, maybe I should check this out. And if I do end up with my own printer at some point in the future, I think I will probably be more inclined to check out some Mm -hmm. print and play games. I don't do as much solo gaming as you do, but I think Mm -hmm. especially for the ones that can be played multiplayer, I definitely have seen some print and play games that I'm like, oh, I actually really do want to play that. So Mm -hmm. once I own a printer, I will probably be hitting you up again and be like, oh, 
okay, what like what else do I need? Which which ones do I need first? And uh, yeah, so uh, to our listeners, if you have print and played any games that you would recommend to myself or even to Ambie that you think she hasn't played, hit us up on social media or in our Discord. The link to our Discord is in the show notes. Come join us there for community game nights and lots of other fun stuff. We uh, We have a lot of lovely people in our community there and we would love to see you there as well. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. You've heard us talk about it for years, but if you didn't back the campaign, you can now go online or to your friendly local game store to order your copy of Last Light, a 4X game that plays in under an hour, designed by a friend of the show, Roy Kennedy. And if you want to buy games at grayfoxgames.com, you can get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Until next time, because I'm bored and I'm listless, don't want no big rock star, my idea of success is in a fancy car, got a long list of my favorites, Cthulhu drives me insane, but I've got a blank shells, baby. So let's play a game. Bye, everyone. Bye. And there are, um, there are hint, like, we're, uh, there are, t- <laughs> Kathy yeah. printed, print and play, print, I can't say, <laughs> it's like, <laughs>